Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. It's August and that means we're back on our regular weekly schedule. Now during the season, we'll have two shows a week for you. On Tuesdays, our game day edition with a Michigan guest, and then our popular visitors show on Thursdays of game week with a play-by-play voice or beat writer covering that week's opposition. This week, though, Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports kicks off the month with another recruiting update. First, a few news and notes to get us started. Friday, the team reports for fall camp, and next week, practice begins in earnest. We will be previewing the season in the coming weeks, even if there isn't much news coming out of Fort Schembechler. In reality, it seems though like we've been previewing the upcoming season since last January. So I, for one, am ready to tee it up and to get some game action. It's going to be here soon enough, though. So today we have our last recruiting update until December. Each month, Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports joins me to update what's happening on the recruiting scene. As always, we have a lot to talk about. The barbecue at the Big House was last weekend, and some big-time players were in town. Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports is up next here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Back with us on the show as we open the month of August. And, of course, we know what's going to happen Friday. The uh, the team reports for practice. And we'll have enough preview shows in the next couple of weeks right now. As usual, we have Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports to uh, update us on recruiting. Of course, uh, barbecue in the big houses over the weekend. Before we touch on that, though, Steve, uh, last week, Stephen Heron Jr. out of Louisville flipped to Stanford. We've been talking about him for a long time. He was a very early verbal. Did that catch you by surprise at all? Uh, not really. I think that as when you're reporting this stuff, you're it's, you can be in kind of a weird spot because mm-hmm. uh, you know he had said publicly, I think less than a month before. I think it was at the open. I was at the beginning of the month actually uh, had said he was 100% committed to Michigan publicly. Um, it's one of those things where in the we had always kind of been told that. Stanford was really pushing and that it was a real possibility, you know, and it's like the kid tells you, it's one thing to, you know, to say it publicly, uh, you know, in today's atmosphere, you're not really as a, as a prospect, you're not really doing anything wrong by just telling the truth. If you're Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many kids that commit somewhere and then are still considering other schools. It's not really a, a big deal to say so. Um, so from that aspect, it was a little, uh, different than usual, but at the end of the day, no, it wasn't really a big surprise. I know Stanford had really, really been recruiting him for a long time, and you know Michigan's kind of been, you know, they've been still recruiting heavily on the defensive line. I think not necessarily in anticipation, but p- possibly in anticipation that this was uh, going to come to fruition at some point. So, great athlete. He actually did better at the opening, I think, than people thought he would do. Uh, would have been an interesting fit in the Michigan defense. I think he's a pretty versatile kid. 
Um, but again, like defensive line, one spot where I feel like Michigan's recruiting pretty well right now. Good for him. Uh, when you pick Stanford, you know that academics is uh, at the forefront for you. So, I mean, good decision for him. It's a, it's a huge decision for a kid, but I don't hate losing out so much to, to Stanford because, you know, it's, it's a good choice. Uh, they're the one school that gets that reaction from Michigan fans. I feel like if you flipped at <laughs> any other program in the country, you know, there'd be some griping. But yeah, yeah it is. Uh, Stanford is the one school where everybody kind of goes, oh, well, it's Stanford. You know, it makes sense in that regard. Yeah. Um, you know, and so the interesting dynamic between for Michigan to me is, you know, I, I kind of want to say Michigan. I don't know if we've talked about this before, but with Heron being an example, flipping to Stanford, and then Michigan kind of, let's say, battling Alabama for like a Daxton Hill or something. It's like Michigan's like kind of in the middle. Uh, they're a great academic school that can compete with the Stanfords and Notre Dames and stuff like that. But then like a lot of the kids they'll recruit are those like uber academic, like a Stanford type. Um, and then on the other side, they're recruiting against the Alabamas and Georgias and, you know, Florida State's. Uh, of the world a lot of times too and uh so that it's it's very it's a, they have a very interesting dynamic compared to most programs because uh, i would say even Notre dame probably doesn't necessarily normally end up against like an alabama or a georgia uh as much as michigan does and uh so michigan's recruiting dynamic is is to me i think it's one of the most unique in the country because because of that idea uh michigan's lost a lot of races to stanford and uh, and they've lost, but they've lost a lot of races to Alabama and Georgia too, and probably finished second in a ton of those in, in both fronts. So, uh, you know, Heron kind of another one there. They're battling Stanford for Aeneas to Cosmo too, you know. And so it's uh, it's they have to be multifaceted in uh, how they pitch and in, mm-hmm. in how they pitch to who they're pitching to. So, uh, kind of interesting there, in my opinion. Well, Steve, the barbecue at the Big House was over the weekend. You know, some fans say now it's not the event that it used to be years ago i don't know if it's because of the early signing period which really just came into effect last year but still a very important recruiting event yeah i think so uh it's a little different this year than it has been in years past you know it's there's kind of been the uh what is it scavenger hunt type thing that they would do around campus where the kids kind of it's a it's a game like a competitive game also designed to kind of get the kids to experience uh, campus life this seemed a lot different this year uh there were actual like the kids were doing drills and being taught like their positions and stuff like that sitting in the film room uh it's a little bit different than what it normally is uh i think i would say this year as far as the maybe the kids who came and the kids that they pushed to come it was much more of a junior day uh, type event than it has been in years past. A lot of times, and I do think the early official visit period has an impact there. Uh, they've already gotten a lot of guys up for an official, um, so there's not the need necessarily to push a upcoming senior uh, to make this visit as there maybe would have been in years past. So um, I looked at it as more of a junior day with a few top senior targets kind of sprinkled in there. But, um, yeah, it's just a little bit different this year than it has been in years past, both in – presentation and, and in my opinion uh, maybe the impact well let's talk about some of these uh, kids that were at uh, well most of them I think were uh, at the barbecue at the big house over the weekend and 
Start with a kid who's a, a corner out of Everett, Massachusetts. Not sure how I, you pronounce his name, Steve. Mike uh, Sandristill? Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much how yeah, I pronounce he's it. He's still a Vatech so. commit, though, isn't he? He is right now. My crystal ball's on Michigan. I don't plan to change it. Uh, I think there were expectations that he may have made a switch or flip uh, earlier in the process, but he still hasn't yet. Uh, as far as I know, that has nothing to do with where Michigan stands on him. They want him. Uh, and also, I would probably label him as an actually like an athlete for them, uh, cornerback, but also like a slot wide receiver, mm-hmm. which they'd like to take a couple in this cycle. So, uh, again, an, like another – not just saying this because uh, we cover Michigan. Another kid, I watch his film. I think he's probably underrated. Um, I think his film really jumps out. Very explosive, athletic guy. Uh, Michigan really liked him. They were, I think they offered him before Louis Cine, who is his former high school teammate, you know, the top 50 kid who's now playing in Texas. So, uh, you know, Michigan's liked him for a while, and uh, they'll keep working him. Another wide out that we like is uh, Quintel Kent. He's six foot, one hundred and seventy pounds, uh, out of Lakewood, Ohio, St. Edwards. He's received several crystal ball predictions as a Michigan lean. Steve, is uh, that still the case? I think they you know, they got George Johnson mm-hmm. already in the fold. Uh, they like Saner still. Uh, I think you know you have Kyle Ford, Cornelius Johnson out there as guys. Uh, I would probably consider Kent more of a wait and see type prospect at this point uh i I know the crystal balls are up there i haven't put one in yet um you know so that's probably where they're at with him good prospect though i I mean it's definitely not a name to forget you know because they're not a shoe-in for any of the guys that they name probably outside of saner still so um so yeah I, i would probably put him in that camp right now well, another interesting player is Mike Morris, a 6'5", 255-pound, four-star defensive end. He's from Delray Beach, Florida. Committed to Florida State right now, and I think he's a legacy uh, at Florida State, isn't he? Correct, yes. You know, I think Michigan, that's the one that I put in a crystal ball for over the weekend. Uh, I think Michigan's kind of quietly been around in that one. Uh, really, it's been, you know, the, the, the list of guys that are still recruiting at defensive end has been long and usually and full of elite guys, you know, so it's been one of those things where it's, you know, they have room, do they not? Um, I don't think Heron decommitting necessarily changes it too much with Morris necessarily. They're different prospect, different type of prospect. Um, but I do think Michigan's in pretty good shape there. Uh, the one thing, and I did, like I said, I did put in the crystal ball. He's been very glowing, uh, to Miami and Tennessee staffs as well. So, uh, depending on what his timeline is, uh, it could become an interesting one, but as things stand today, I think Michigan in pretty good shape there, probably. And it sounds like his uh, dad came not expecting to like Jim Harbaugh and uh, left town liking Jim Harbaugh, so that always helps too. Yeah, it's amazing when people like turn off the TV and actually like meet some of these guys that they're not the same as they're portrayed uh, by the national media. So, and I, I feel like with Harbaugh, I get that. I mean, pretty much every kid who's never met him before is always, like, surprised. And, like, you know, it's like, because the, of the way he's kind of portrayed, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether it be by ESPN or whoever, um, you know, as, as as however they, you know, describe him or whatever. But it's always, uh, yeah, he wasn't what I expected. You know, he's a family guy, like, really serious. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of who he is. 
you know. And so uh, he's got his quirks, but, you know, it's never surprising to me to hear that when somebody's like, didn't know what to expect, and then they come away, like, pleasantly surprised them because it's, it's been that way pretty much since he got hired. Well, another kid in the process we've talked about for uh, for a while is Isaiah Foskey. Big kid, 6'5", 240-pound tight end out of a great high school program, Concord De La Salle in California. Uh, he was supposed to come in and also, I think, uh, pay a visit to Notre Dame over the weekend, wasn't he, Steve? Yep. He saw both schools. Um, you know, with him, I mean, this one's a really interesting one. I don't think anybody knows where he's really leaning right now. Um I, I would have guessed Clemson earlier. Uh, he did go on like a he's not an East, like an ACC mm-hmm. swing of sorts uh, in the spring. I know he loved Clemson, but they're full at tight end, uh, so that they're probably not really an option. Uh, and with Michigan, I mean, they have Eric All. I think Fosky's the one guy they would take as a compliment there, but I don't think they're going to reach for a tight end. And uh, he's in no hurry, like at all. Still, like not he's in very slow a very slow mode right now recruiting wise and sometimes those kind of guys you know it just eventually sort of fades away um so that one will be interesting to me uh, you know i he's got all the pac-12 offers but there just hasn't been a lot of buzz uh about where or who is really standing out you know so uh, i know he really liked that Notre Dame too great kid uh spent some time with mustafa muhammad while he was on campus um, you know, and so, yeah, going to be one of the more interesting ones really. And kind of ironically is one of the first kids of that cycle that I covered, uh, and had a good relationship with him for a long time and, uh, is just very delip seems to be very deliberate and very, uh, thorough in how he's going about things. Ohio state's big on him too, aren't they? I think so, but they just took a tight end out of Tennessee. I, I don't know what their tight end situation is right now. Uh, they also liked a kid named Brenton Strange out of West Virginia, who I think Michigan may have gone ahead and offered if they hadn't gotten Eric All. Um, but, you know, I don't know what their numbers are either. Uh, I, I know he's been to Ohio State, and uh, he's been to Penn State too. Yeah. Uh, Penn State, probably a school I wouldn't count out either, actually, if, is, if provided they're still uh, pursuing him. But, again, he's got, he's got UCLA. Uh, it won't be USC. They've got, they've got one. I think they're about to get a second. Um, and I believe he's got Washington too. You know, it could be one of those deals where we nobody knows where he ends up, and then he just ends up staying really close to home, like you probably like most people would have guessed, I guess. But um, yeah, it's really in this day and age, it's always it's interesting when, especially because he does do interviews too. He's not one of those quiet kids that that won't pick up the phone or won't respond. Um, so it's he's a very rare kid in that idea that he will speak publicly but nobody really knows uh what he's kind of thinking and stuff so pretty cool i always kind of like that well another interesting player is uh, from morrow georgia safety jamal hill and there we go in the peach state again six two one ninety uh, we offered him in june i think shortly thereafter bama came calling but he would be another nice get from sec country steve wouldn't he yeah he's another one that i think is a, probably a four-star level prospect. I'm actually a little surprised that we didn't bump him up uh, in our last update. I know he had been explicitly mentioned as a big-time sleeper candidate um, by our national team. And really, like I said, you, you talk about Louis Cine, who has kind of been a top target for them for a while. Mm-hmm. I don't anticipate, I don't see much optimism on that front right now. And, and I know they'd like to take two. Uh, so I could see 
Hill really being a guy that moves way up the board very quickly. Uh, you know, really a dynamic, good size, uh, brings some elite athleticism to the table too. Uh, really, again, like I said, I think a guy is a four-star prospect. So uh, in Michigan, you know, they, they've attacked Georgia hard. They've also, in my opinion, in most cases, picked and chosen kind of the right under-the-radar guys to go after as well, you know, like the Michael Barrett type kids uh, that are completely going to outdo their recruiting ranking, you know. So, um, and I think Hill would be a guy somewhat in line with that. I mean, I feel stronger about Barrett just because I think he's going to be a stud, but uh, but Hill is a guy I think would, would outdo his recruiting ranking as well. Well, another interesting player I've been hearing a lot about lately is uh, Josh Sanguinetti, 6'2", 175-pound free safety. He's from University School in Fort Lauderdale. I think he, too, is considered right now, though, a Miami lean, isn't he, Steve? Well, I think Miami's kind of filling up at their defensive back spots. Uh, Sanguinetti, another really, like, they hosted a lot of interesting kids this week. Uh, you know, he fell... He was a top 100 prospect when we first released our 2019 rankings, which was, I don't know, like 10 years ago at this point, uh, but has fallen kind of steadily. Uh, struggled at the opening, too. You know, there were rumors he's been fighting injuries uh, and stuff. I don't know the validity of all that, um, but I do know Michigan, you know, he's an option for Michigan. Nebraska's in there, too. Uh, I want to say, I think Tennessee. Uh, I'm not so sure about Miami, though. That's a crystal ball that I think will change mm-hmm. as the process goes forward. Um, Michigan likes him at cornerback, too. I think he's listed as a safety on our site. Uh, I believe they prefer him at cornerback. Uh, so, again, like much like Foskey, but in a different way, it's a very interesting recruitment to me. He's another guy that is gonna says he's going to wait. Uh, I don't know, per se, if he'll have the luxury of waiting on a lot of the schools that he's considering. Uh, so it'll be really interesting, you know, again, to kind of see where that one ends up. Uh, still like a top 150 guy in the composite, I believe, but uh, our guys are, are pretty adamant about where they have him ranked. I think he's an 88 or an 89 on our site. Well, any other 2019 kids in for the barbecue we haven't mentioned that Michigan is still in on, Steve? Yeah, the, the big one uh, would probably be a kid named Bryce Benhart, uh top 100 offensive tackle out of Minnesota. That guy I think is right up there with Trevor Keegan and uh, Danielson, uh, Ike or EK, or I don't really know yet. Um, those three guys I think are the guys they've really honed in on that offensive tackle. Uh, if I was a guess, if I was a guess, I, I, and again, this isn't, I think all three guys are going to be very good college prospects. I actually think that Ben Hart is the guy that they would, prefer mm-hmm. i think he's the one with the highest ceiling i think he's the best potential college player uh i know alan true our our regional guy uh has been adamant that michigan has a shot in this one there his family has approached the recruiting process very literally in the idea that if they take a visit to a program they're very serious about it they don't really waste their time uh and just take visits to take visits so uh, but again, at the flip side, that's a kid, kind of your classic. You're not going to get a reaction. You're not going to find quotes. You know, it'd be very rare uh, to get any direct uh, intel on that recruitment. So that one's kind of, we'll have to wait and see. Keegan seems to be slowing things down a little bit. Uh, Ike was on Alabama's campus uh, last weekend. 
with Michigan armbands on. He had a picture with Nick Saban and had Michigan armbands on both arms. So that's kind of interesting. But um, either way, though, the thing is, is I think they're shaping up to reel in one of these three tackles. And I think any of those three guys would be a nice finish to an offensive line class that I get the impression that the staff is just loving and loving the more that they uh, get to know these kids and, and, and just, you know, Trent Jones was our uh, Rusty Mansell, our Georgia, our main Georgia insider went out to Grayson for a practice and Trent Jones won the alpha dog award uh, at that, at that practice. And for people that don't know, Grayson probably has about, 15 D1 kids on their roster alone with multiple offensive linemen with D1 offers, including Wanya Morris as a five-star on our site, you know, and Jones looked the best in pads, which is something I've been saying pretty much since he committed. So uh, add that in with the guys there, you know, the Rumblers and the Carpenters and the Barnharts uh, and Jack Stewart. Uh, I think they're really setting up for a epic or very, very nice, uh, offensive line hall this cycle. Well, Steve, do we expect more verbals to the class of 2019 in the coming weeks before this season, not only the college season, but the high school season gets underway? Or is it going to slow down now until December and the traditional signing day in February? I think there's always a possibility. Um, Sainer is still kind of a guy that we've been keeping an eye on. Besides that, though, I don't, you know, the timelines do seem to be slowing down uh i just saw an article like a local news article last night that that zach harrison is slowing his process down which in my opinion is actually a great thing for michigan um you know so i I think when the dead period about to hit uh, i think you're going to see kids without no contact all that type of thing uh you're going to see one of two things you'll either see the some of the kids that'll finish with the whole uh i want to focus on my senior season so i'm going to commit or I want to focus on my senior season, so I'm going to commit late and after. And uh, with a lot of these elite guys, I just they always seem to err on the side of caution and wait until after. So, you know, because for a while, like Keegan, uh, Daxton Hill, Harrison, all were guys I think originally planned to commit sometime in August. And uh, don't know if that's going to be the case anymore. With us on our game day segment this week, as we uh, we do our monthly update to start the uh, the month of August, is Steve Lorenz from Twenty Four Seven Sports. Steve, eight class of uh, two thousand twenty recruits, or I think that was the number that are ranked very highly by Twenty Four Seven Sports. We're at the barbecue. Let's run down some of those names. You can add any that I'm missing here, uh, and get your thoughts on our chances with them. Let's start with uh, Elias Ricks. He's a corner from another very good high school program, uh, Santa Ana, modern day. I would just, I like either USC or Ohio State there, uh, to be honest with you. Probably had a good visit to Michigan, uh, but just, I mean, just honestly, sometimes you can just tell what the kids' social media mm-hmm. activity, well, what schools they like more than the others. And I definitely feel like Ohio State or USC, um, you know, modern day, really kind of the new USC feeder school uh that sarah that uh sarah long beach poly uh those programs have been for a long time i feel like modern day is kind of next in line there so i'd probably put a crystal ball on usc if i were going to put one in today um but the other schools appears to be ohio state it sounds like he had a great visit there well we're also in an, uh, a big offensive tackle kevin pine from mills massachusetts uh, any lean for him so pine didn't make it uh, he was on a family vacation, 
Um, but I would, I think Notre Dame, Michigan, I think he's, he's a legit academic kid. Um, I assume Stanford, I, you know, it's just, they just always, you know, and he's a, he's an excellent prospect. I can't imagine Stanford's not going to offer him at some point. So, uh, I, yeah, Notre Dame, Michigan, I believe he has family, perhaps even his dad play for Virginia tech. Uh, I don't know if that will factor in at all or not. He's been there. He's visited, um, but he's also visited Michigan before, um, Massachusetts kid. So Don Brown is like best friends with the high school coach as he seems to be with every high school coach at a Massachusetts school that Michigan's recruiting somebody. So, um, it's definitely going to give him a shot. I know his coach told me that he's looking to get up for a game this season. So, um, Notre Dame, Michigan, probably to start out there, but I feel like that one, I don't know, maybe it'll take a while. I guess I don't really know. I mean, sometimes those, these kids maybe decide to end it a little earlier. Uh, some go later with him. He's, I think it's kind of a up in the air thing with him. Another Massachusetts kid that was supposed to be there was Khalil or Khalil Mullings from uh, Boston Milton Academy. Yep. Mullings. Uh, so it was kind of funny. Uh, Michigan offered him a long time ago. They've been recruiting the heck out of him. Uh, he decided to visit Notre Dame and Ohio State before he went to the barbecue, and I correctly predicted that both schools would offer him, um, and then he headed up to Michigan. I I would say Michigan, uh, my crystal ball's on Michigan. Uh, I think Penn State, probably the other school there uh, that he's really kind of built a bond with. Um, you know, I, I think Michigan, again, I mean, he was a satellite camp kid before he was ever rank, ranked or rated or anything. Um, and, and Michigan has made him a pretty big priority in that cycle. So, uh, kind of a guy, kind of a guy. I guess, I guess, with the early effort they've put in, I think it'd be somewhat of a disappointment uh, if they lost out because Penn State was there relatively early too, not as early as Michigan. But you know, if like Notre Dame or Ohio State was a sneak in, I think that'd be kind of a disappointment. As you know, considering I believe he visited both schools previously, didn't get an offer. So. Um, you know, I think that's a guy I would say Michigan's in pretty decent shape with right now. These next five kids are in-state, which you always like to see, and one of them is Port Huron defensive end Braden McGregor, who um, I've been hearing a lot about lately. What do you think about him? I think he'll be a four-star when we release our next, our 2020 updates are coming out pretty soon. I suspect he'll be a four-star prospect when that comes out. I mean, no guarantee, but uh, I really like him. I think he's uh great fit in the Michigan defense and uh, I think there he's another guy I think they're in pretty good shape with the other school I'd probably watch out for there is Notre Dame uh, he's been up there a couple times and uh, yeah I mean those are the two schools in my opinion right there that probably stand out um, but again I, I I have a crystal ball in on Michigan there too and uh, would be a great addition kind of a guy I think will keep rising in the rankings you know poor here I'm not really a place that a lot of guys a lot of people are going up to watch prospects no. play right so so those are the kind of guys that have to earn it in camp performances and um off of maybe word of mouth from college staffs so i know michigan's really really high on them well another two kids out of a, a great program uh, here in state east kentwood teammates brian mustella he's a defensive lineman and offensive lineman dallas fincher um what do you think of those guys uh fincher's a michigan state legacy so I would, I think I have already, think I have a crystal ball in for the Spartans on that one. Um, Mostella, Michigan, crystal ball there too. Um, pretty decent in-state class in 2020. I think there's just a lot of guys that will rise up. I think Mostella's just outside of the 
top 247 or he might just be inside. He's right there in the edge. Um, is a guy I think will rise to a uh, really high ceiling guy. I think with both him and McGregor, I think if Michigan in a perfect world would have waited a little bit longer, but I just think the film and the potential for both those guys was that they it wasn't they needed to get in early and offer early and make them a priority right away. Uh, and and so, you know, I have Michigan crystal ball in for both those guys right now. And uh, Mustella, I believe his family, I think they're pretty big Michigan fans too. Uh, he's been up there at least three times. And, uh, yeah, I think they've done a really good job in that one too. Well, those of us who live uh, downriver Detroit uh, know it's been quite a while. Uh, back in the day in the 70s and uh, 60s, a lot of players used to uh, – go to Michigan or be recruited to Michigan uh, from downriver. You don't hear much anymore, but right now a player we hear a lot, awful lot about down here is Ian Stewart from Gibraltar Carlson. So what's your take on him? So Ian's kind of been on the radar for a while, uh, not as like a guy picking up big offers, but as a guy that had the potential to. Um, and obviously Michigan came through, uh, I think it was last month, uh, when they offered a few 2020s mm-hmm. in state. Uh, during the camp session. And as a guy, I, I would venture to say, as things stand right now, probably a Michigan lean. Um, you know, but there's a few of these guys, though, this cycle. I think Devell Washington out of Bay City, another guy who, you know, I think both of those guys have the potential to kind of take off uh, from a national standpoint. Guys that haven't, I mean, I, Rayshon Williams at King kind of has already. So, um, but with Washington and, and, uh, Ian, I think there's definitely real potential for them to take off uh, as far as national-type prospects. So uh, when that happens, you never really know. Um, but Stewart, a guy, again, I think as things stand today, I would probably I would probably lean Michigan for him. Well, you just mentioned Devell Washington. He's out of uh, Bay City Central. Um, I haven't seen much tape on him, but I, re- I remember the story when, when Michigan offered. He was more than a little bit thrilled, wasn't he? Yeah, but the ironic part, so he's another kid. Uh, so Ohio State is offered there. I actually think he's a, an Ohio State lean. Um, you know, I think the question is, you know, I don't know what, what Ohio State's receiver board looks like in 2020. So because to be honest with you, I kind of think Ohio State probably leads for Rayshon Williams too out of King. So um, I don't know if those are two guys that they would take both or what the deal would be there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Washington – I think it'd be Michigan or Ohio State, but I, I, if I was a betting person, I would say I would probably lean Buckeyes for him right now and, and probably the same for Williams, to be honest. Well, boo to that, but, uh, yeah, there's a, <laughs> a big decision. Well, these, some of these kids love the – they love the uh, – it's just the presentation of these yeah. two schools is just so much different, and so you're going to get such different reactions uh, from each of these schools. And, uh, you know, just that's why I feel like a lot of times – you know, they really, to be 100%, I just don't feel like that they've matched up a ton. I mean, as, considering as bitter rivals as they are and as close geographically as they are, they really haven't, like, gone head-to-head for a ton of guys. I mean, there's always going to be a share, but, like, it usually kind of feels like uh, it's one or the other, you know, and... um it's just it's it's interesting, but I I feel pretty strongly about Williams for sure. Uh, but with Washington, I get the impression that it's Ohio State too. Again, for whatever reason, um, you know I don't know what they're doing that Michigan's not. I mean I don't know if the if it is the winds, 
<laughs> that really are what yeah. kind of tip these tip the scales in some of these situations. I tend to think not though, just because it is so early for these kids and their recruitments that it's, it's you know, these kids have two more years of games still technically. You know, Michigan could win the next two against Ohio State. You know, for all we know, and so um, you know, it's 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 definitely interesting. Ohio State does a good job of getting in very early. I mean, they offer Rayshon Williams before Michigan did. So, um, you know, they get props for they've done a good job of identifying and, and offering some guys in state pretty early. And uh, I think that puts Michigan in a position to kind of respond and uh, then kind of go above and beyond. You know, it, it really, if anything, it's partially in design to make them work harder for their in-state guys, you know, because it's, Ohio State's not going to really harm themselves too much if they like like a kid at a school and then they, maybe they back off as much as Michigan is because it's the in-state school, you know. And so, um, and so like there's less harm for Ohio State to offer a kid really early and think, oh well, we already got two receivers. We don't think we're going to take a third. You know, sorry, you know. But with Michigan, if they offer a kid, uh, I just feel like they're held as they probably should be, uh, are held to a little bit of a different standard by like in-state coaches and, and programs and stuff with that type of stuff. You know, a few years ago, Urban Meyer uh, ticked off some folks when he said the Big Ten needed to uh, up its game on the recruiting trail. And, you know, not that I want to give him any credit, but I think we're just, we're doing that, Steve. It seems to be uh, this could be the second pretty darn good year in a row for uh, for the Big Ten as a whole. Yeah, I agree. Uh, obviously, Ohio State kind of has always ranking and rating wise has always brought in the best classes uh i think penn state has moved way up as well uh i think james franklin's a re- james franklin reminds me uh kind of gives me a brady hoke vibe um strictly in the way he recruits as far as you know what hoke was so good at was like making a legitimate connection with the kids and their families making them feel welcome and comfortable on campus uh you know I, again i mean with hoke i mean that was it was it was their really their calling card uh, as a staff, and I think Penn State does a pretty good job of uh, doing something pretty similar. And then, you know, I think Nebraska will see an uptick under Scott Frost. You know, and the one school that is really recruiting well this cycle, in my opinion, is is Purdue. Uh, they've reeled in a lot of really good players. Uh, matter of fact, they just got at least one last night. I think they might have gotten two. No, they did. They got two four stars yesterday, which you know, with Purdue, is probably yeah. more than they had. Uh, five years previous combined. Uh, and that's, you know, they got Marvin Grant out of Detroit King, who is a guy that Michigan had offered but kind of cooled on, but is a guy, in my opinion, I think is going to be really good. Uh, I think it's a guy Michigan maybe should have circled back on, to be honest with you. And, uh, you know, and then also they're in the, they're really in the race for Wandale Robinson, a player that Michigan is recruiting. Uh, they're in it for David Bell, top 100 kid out of Indiana. And then they have the, the big fish, George Karlathis, uh, who we've talked about before, uh, is right now he's a top 10 overall player in the country. Uh, and so Brome's doing some really good things there. I think they're kind of in a weird spot, though. Uh, if they win, let's say they win 10 games, I don't think they will. But let's just say they have a big season, you know, whatever big program fires their head coach is going to be throwing the bank at him to bring him in, especially to win big at a school like Purdue so quickly. Um, And then if they lose, if they have, if they struggle, which they do have a pretty tough schedule, um, then it's kind of that whole, we sure we want to latch on, you know, 
like with a car Laftis, for instance, you know, like Michigan's going to stay, Michigan's going to be on him until the end, just because you can't not be for a kid of that caliber. Uh, and so will a lot of these other prospects. We'll have other suitors coming by, and you see it every year with a lot of other programs. Uh, you know, they get a good start to the class, and they struggle on the field, and then it kind of falls apart a little bit. So, you know, it's like if you're a Purdue fan, you almost want them to kind of go like seven and five or like eight and four, to where it's like he could say, hey, progress is being made here, but then nobody's going to try to poach him away at the end of the season, you know. So, um, But, yeah, the, the recruiting profile of the Big Ten is, has definitely – it's definitely gone up. Uh, it's always going to be an uphill battle just because the major hotbed states in the country are all within other conferences. You know, the Pac-12 has California. The Big 12 has Texas. Uh, the SEC has Georgia and Florida. Um, so, you know, it's going to be difficult – from that aspect uh, for the mid to lower tier teams. Um, but I think that a lot of those mid to lower tier teams are, are doing a better job this cycle of bringing in some guys. Well, final question for you, Steve, as we mentioned uh, at the top of the interview, uh, this is the first show of August. Friday is August the 3rd and the team is going to uh, to report. So at this point, and, and we're going to be previewed out, as we all know, in the next three weeks, but at this point, are you optimistic despite what is just such a brutal schedule that this team is going to compete for the East Division title? Yeah, I am. Um, you know, any other team in the country that brings back, what, 17 starters mm-hmm. uh, is should be, like, given a fair shake, should be given a chance to, and then let alone a major upgrade at the position that, in my opinion, cost them three or four games last year at quarterback, um, you know, offensively is obviously where all the questions are going to be. I think history says that second-year wide receivers produce at a much higher level than first-year wide receivers. Uh, I think you take that into account. I think you take the three things I look at are this. I look at that. I look at a progression at the wide receiver position, and I look at two big upgrades uh, with Patterson at quarterback and then with Ed Warner coaching the offensive line. Uh, you know, the thing is with Michigan, their offense doesn't have to score – 40 points uh, to win football games. And so, you know, even just efficiency offensively uh, is, it will give them a chance to contend in my opinion. Um, And then, so yeah, absolutely. I know it's a tough schedule. That's kind of the thing is like, how long has it been since they've won a big road game? Well, they're going to have to probably win at least two of three uh, to, (laughs) to have a chance. Well, you could maybe even throw Northwestern in there technically, you know, for four, um, you know, to, to have a chance at the division, um, you know, but I, I definitely think that there's a real shot there. Uh, and that's all, like, fact-based to me. I don't think it's uh, – I mean, there's obviously there's some opinion, some take-type aspect in that, but I just – again, you just have to kind of look at it logically. Uh, how close were they to winning the games that they lost last year with their third-best quarterback on their roster? Uh, play? I mean, I, I go back to the Michigan State game. You know, they, they've – State has squeaked by Michigan in both of D'Antonio's wins over Harbaugh. You know, to for Michigan to have a negative five turnover margin and still have about six chances to win the game in the fourth, six drives uh, to win the game in the fourth quarter, uh, I think says to me that you know that they're close, uh, that they're on the verge. You know, because I just I look I look back, you know, I look at Michigan State, Ohio State last year and think that. If those were Brady Hoke or Rich Rodriguez coach teams, Michigan would have gotten destroyed in both those games. And so, um, 
you know, so yeah, I, I think, I think things are coming together. Uh, I think the upgrade, like I said, the upgraded quarterback, the progression at wide receiver and uh, at Warner's addition, I think are, are going to make the Michigan offense good enough to win them, to allow their defense to breathe for a second and to, to win them a few games that they wouldn't have won last year. Well, with previews in the next few weeks, we are going to talk uh, an awful lot about all these things. And then, of course, the season is starting in really uh, four weeks. So it might be a while before we get you back, Steve. But rest assured, uh, we look forward to the next update. The the recruiting world just keeps going. So, uh, you know, thanks again, as always, for being so generous with your time. Uh, My listeners just can't get enough of uh, recruiting talk with you, Steve. So, Again, thanks for your time, and we look forward to the next visit. Appreciate it, Mike. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, thanks to Steve Lorenz for being with us. Steve is, in my humble opinion, the best recruiting writer in the biz. Judging from your email and comments, most of you agree with that. He is with us monthly from January until August, and we take a break from recruiting news during the season. He'll be back, though, with us in December with news from the early signing period. In other news today, Kareem Walker has left the program, and he's going to be playing J.C. Ball in Kansas. This had long been rumored, but Kareem tweeted the news over the weekend confirming his move. Coach Barnes-Arico has a two-year extension of her contract that pays out over seven hundred grand a year. Well-deserved, I might add. She is the winningest coach in program history and has a young and talented team ready to roll this season. Hopefully she's going to be around for a long time. Good news for hockey. Quinn Hughes is coming back for his sophomore season. He was chosen seventh in the first round of the recent NHL draft. Quinn said he wanted to come back and win a national championship, and he loved his teammates and the coaching staff. Coach Pearson was, of course, thrilled, as we all should be. It should be another great season of Michigan hockey. Next week, I'll have the first of our preview shows. Beat writer Nick Baumgartner from the Detroit Free Press is scheduled to join us. If he's tied up, and these folks are really busy this time of the year, we'll have another of our beat writers with us. With the season just around the corner, make sure you have our free show app from the iTunes or Google Play stores. You can also hear us on iHeart, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and Wolverine Sports Radio. So get one of those apps and be ready to roll. The season's right around the corner. That does it for another week. We'll see you back here next week as we begin our series of season previews. Until then, I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Enjoy what's left of summer, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at Yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at Yahoo.com. 
The Michigan Man podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!